As you're opening your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Lord, we come before you and, um, Lord, we thank you for the sweet worship. God, we thank you for how amazing you are. Lord, I just pray a peace over this place. I'm sure these girls have had days similar to mine and weeks comparable to mine. And I pray that this would be a place, God, where they're not worried if they left their flat iron plugged in like I am right now. They're not worried that they left their ovens on or that their kids are in the staff lounge eating Taco Bell. Lord, I just pray that you would, God, put a peace over this place. Lord, you are our peace who has broken down every wall. Pray for those maybe still coming, that you would get them here. Pray for those who can't be here. Lord, all the sickness is going around. Pray for your healing touch upon them. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the leaders, Lord, so, so blessed by them that we can just come in and everything's set up and there's water and sound and lights and air. And God, we know that so much went into that. Lord, would you just pour a blessing out upon them? God, I pray you would have your way in our hearts today, Lord. God, would you speak what is true to our heart? Would you go so far beyond anything that I could say? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 5. I have to tell you, I can't stand math. I'm sorry, that might shock some of you. I love language. I can't stand math. I'm not good at it. I never have been, and I'm 37, so chances are I never will be good at math. It's not looking good. I like geometry. I like that this angle always equals this angle, and that if you take part of this angle, then you have that part of the angle. I mean, it's like neat and clean, and like it's not wiggly and like it's just nice. I like geometry, but I can't stand word problems. I despise them to my very core. I'm not logical. You can ask my husband. Last year, I was helping my sixth grader with word problems, and I kept thinking of that sign on Pinterest. I don't know if you've seen it. If I have 10 ice cubes and you have 11 apples, how many pancakes will fit on the roof? The answer is purple because aliens don't wear hats. That's how I see word problems. This is how I look at them. And my daughter's reading her word problem to me, and it was like, if you have this much sugar in this cake and need twice as much for this cake but need to have half as much for the first cake, how much sugar should you buy in the first place? And I tried and I tried and I tried, and I could not get it. I mean, I was having, like, sweaty junior high flashbacks, like, wanting to cry. And finally, I just slammed down the pencil and I said, this is not real life. If you buy your sugar at Costco, you will never run out. (laughs) And if you do run out, you get to leave your kids at home with daddy and go get 10 minutes by yourself while you go get some sugar from the store. That's real life. This is ridiculous. I'm not good at word problems. The only times I can sometimes figure out word problems is if I can see the answer and work my way backwards to the beginning. And this is what I thought of. I know it's really sad. This is what I thought of when I looked at teaching this 
portion of scripture. I thought, where do you even go? I mean, Marianne and Dawn and I were talking the other day, and there's 155 total verses in Ephesians. And each one of them, we could spend a year on and still not scratch the surface. This is an amazing book. And I looked at this chapter and I thought, which way do I go? Where do I start? So I'm taking it how I handle word problems. We're starting from the bottom. We're starting from verse 16 and 17. Oh no, I'm sorry, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I really love, love, love this portion of scripture in the NLT. And so I wanted to read it to you in that tonight. And um, starting in verse 1, sorry if you don't have an NLT, but it's just amazing. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you are to live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool, but live like a wise person. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So that's the answer. That's the answer to this word problem. That's the answer to this equation. Now let's figure out what he's saying. Understand what the Lord wants me to do in what. So we have to back up to the beginning now with this in mind. And Paul says, in speech, in speech, understand what the Lord wants. In speech, making the most of every opportunity and not acting thoughtlessly in speech. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Another translation says, I tell you on judgment day, people will give an account for every thoughtless word 
that they have uttered. Does that not sound terrifying to you? That sounds terrifying to me. Every word added up in just um, uh, March 16th in the year 1982, you said this. Why? Why did you say that? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 6.11 said, The more words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? I don't know, Solomon. Have you ever looked back through your Facebook account or your text or your emails? What is the overall sum of our words? Who's the God of our speech? And what do people know about him because of us? And not just in Facebook or emails, but in phone calls, in conversations, in responses to people. Every idle, thoughtless, careless word, never forgotten, but recorded. Forgotten by us, but not forgotten by God. There is an old story, and I love it. And it was about the town gossip, and she was tired of being known as being the town gossip. She was tired of having this reputation. And so she went to the wise man in the city, and she said, How can I take back these words that I've said? How can I take back the reputation that I have? And the wise man gave her a bag of feathers and said, Go lay a feather on every doorstep of people that you have talked wrongly about or talked badly about or have gossiped about and then come back to me. And so she went and took her a long time because she had said a lot of stuff, but she put a feather on every person's doorstep that she had ever gossiped about, ever been rude to, ever talked about, ever maligned in a conversation. And then she went back to the wise man and she said, okay, I did that. Now what can I do? And he gave her the bag back and he said, now go get the feathers back and put them in the bag. So she went to the first doorstep, no feather, the wind had blown it away, went to the next one, the next one, the next one, all the houses. And she came back to him crying and said, I can't find any of the feathers, they're all gone. And he said, so are your words. You can never get those back. You can never undo your reputation that you have with these people. You can never take back what was said. You can never take back the thoughts that they think. I mean, our words have heavy power on people. There are days where I'm terrified to teach and feel crippled and stumbled because of a criticism that somebody has said to me the last time that I taught. I mean, words that people say, they just kind of fly out of our mouths, but they're never forgotten in minds. They're never forgotten by lives. They're gone. And isn't it usually when we don't know what to say? When we don't know what to say and we feel the need to fill the silence with some sort of words, we usually end up gossiping or criticizing or complaining. I remember my mom one time had somebody gossiping about her and, and my mom just kind of brought it up in a conversation and she said, oh, I don't mean the things that I say about you. I just don't know what else to say. And so I talk about you because it's easy. And my mom was just heartbroken. But sometimes we complain because we don't know what else to say. And pity is better than silence. So what do we say? How do we quit uttering these thoughtless words that we, especially as women, so easily utter? The Holy Spirit tells us what to say. Verse 4 Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. 
giving of thanks. When you don't know what to say, start thanking God. When you want to criticize, thank God for that person instead and the gifts and the talents and the callings that they have. When you want to gossip, Thank God instead. When you want to complain, thank God that you have the breath in your lungs to even utter a complaint out. We have so much. God has done so much. He has given so much. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. God says, those don't fit you, ladies. These are not for you. The word obscene means lacking morality or virtue, containing or being language recorded as taboo or impolite usage. Would Queen Margaret have spoken it? Then you can't either. Crass disregard of moral or ethical principles. So when we want to tell a story, post a comment, or say a word that lacks tact or grace or virtue, or we wouldn't say it in front of the Queen of England, or she wouldn't say it either, swallow those words. It's not for you to utter. It's not fitting to be named among you. Take it to the grave inside your mouth and give thanks to God out loud for something instead It's not for you. Obscene language is not for you. Give thanks instead. Foolish talk, he says, is not for you. Foolish is resulting from or showing a lack of sense, ill-considered, unwise, lacking forethought or caution, trifling, insignificant, or paltry, lacking in judgment or discretion, absurd, ridiculous, marked by a loss of composure. I've been there. Lacking or exhibiting a lack of good sense or judgment, silly, resulting from stupidity or misinformation, unwise, arousing laughter, absurd or ridiculous, immoderate or stubborn, unreasonable, embarrassed, abashed, or trivial. Oh my goodness, that describes so many of my words. This is not for us. When we want to tell a story or post a comment or say a word that lacks forethought or caution or is marked by a loss of composure or discretion, discretion, that's a lost word today, isn't it? Discretion. Do you know what God says about discretion? He says in the book of Proverbs that a woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. So discretion, we can't let this word die out. We have to look it up, memorize the definition, pray it in to be a part of our lives because I don't want to be a nose ring in a pig. I just don't want this for my life. If we're about to say something that lacks discretion or a story that's resulting from stupidity or misinformation or is simply just unwise, may we swallow those words not fitting to be named among a child of God. It has no place among you. Swallow it and take it to the grave with you and give thanks to God out loud for something instead. Coarse jokes, he says. Coarse jokes are not to be named among you. They're not fitting for you. Courses of low, common, or inferior quality, lacking in delicacy or refinement, vulgar or indecent, lacking refinement or taste, indelicate, not pure or choice, harsh, grating, lacking taste, unpolished, 
faulty quality, common, base, obscene, and crude. So when you want to tell a story or post a comment or say a word that's of low, common, inferior quality that lacks in delicacy or refinement, it's vulgar, it's harsh, it's grating, impure, base, and crude, swallow those words. They don't fit in your mouth. It has no place among you. It has no place in your life. That is not something that God has given you to say. So give thanks instead. Because every word that we say, we're building a forever reputation. We're building an identity. We're building who we are. Are we gossipy? Are we filthy? Are we thankful? Our choice with each word. And we can stop. You know, do you ever struggle with these things and say, I, I cuss, I gossip, I say these bad things, I tell bad stories, I try to stop, but it's just who I am. Do you ever say that? I say that sometimes. Not about all of those, but certain ones. I don't cuss, I promise. Um, but here's the deal, is that we, as we've been learning through this book, we are far above principality and power. It is not a close race of whether the Holy Spirit or carnality is going to win in our lives. We are far above all principalities and power. But the thing is, is we keep saying these things, not because we can't stop, but because we get some kind of kickback still from them. We still feel some kind of good feeling from saying that or doing that or jabbing those words in. We still see that there's a kickback in it somehow, but there's not. There's not. These things are not fitting for us. Now, we know that just because a person's wearing something does not mean that it fits them, right? We know that from seeing pictures, from going to Walmart. We understand that just because a person wears something does not mean it fits. What is our speech to our life? Fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. He says, don't let that even be named among you. It's not fitting. It doesn't fit you. Take off the corduroy pants from your high school senior year. They don't look good from the back on you. These words don't fit in our lives. These words don't fit with who God made us. These words are not what we're to be dressed in. These words are not what we're to be clothed in. Do you guys remember what we're clothed in? We're clothed in the righteousness of God. That is what we wear. That is what fits us. Verse 6, I love that he says, Don't let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I love that phrase, empty words. Isn't that exactly what they are? They're empty. They have no weight. They have no hold in our lives. I feel empty after I've spoken those words out. And I feel empty when those words have been spoken to me. It doesn't feel like it seems to promise it will. It fills the silence of conversation, but it does not fill our souls, which are longing for the fellowship of Christ which are longing for the friendships that are iron, sharpening iron, which are longing for those words that build up and comfort and edify. These empty words, they take. 
They're taker words. They take a piece of your integrity. They take a piece of your favor. They take a piece of your opinion of someone. They take a piece of your purity. And they take a piece of your holiness. There are no kickbacks with these words. There are no kickbacks with coarseness, foolish talking, obscenity. Is that a word? Obscenity? Obsceneness? You know, whatever. There's no kickbacks with obscene, being obscene. Yeah, I know I said I'm a language person. Maybe I'm just a, not math or a language. I don't know. Maybe I'm a history person. No, that's my husband. He's teaching church history across the alley. We can't be empty word takers. The Holy Spirit says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You will get nothing from that gossip that you're about to share, except a piece of your purity taken. You will get nothing from that cuss word that you will about, that you are about to utter, except for a piece of your holiness taken. Does not help anything. You will get nothing from the bitterness, from the coarseness. You will get nothing. It will take. The Holy Spirit says, don't be deceived. You know why? Because we're deceived. We feel like if we share that story, we'll be liked by everybody or we'll seem like we're in the know. He says, most definitely, don't be a partaker of them. Ladies, you have so much more to say. You have so much more to say. See, you used to be in darkness. We don't have to speak dark speak anymore. We're not in darkness anymore. Paul says you used to be in darkness. You're not dark You're not sitting in the shadows. You're not one of them who has only vain and empty things to say. You have amazing things to say. You have beautiful things to say. You have your testimony that God has taken you from darkness and he has transformed you into his glorious light and his presence. You have the miracles that God has done for you. You have the grace that he has bestowed upon us. We have so much more to say. We don't need cuss words. We have prayer. We don't need gossip. We have praise. We don't need bitterness. We have thankfulness. We don't speak like the world any longer. And you know what? God is so gracious because here's the deal is we are the town gossips who have a feather to lay at every person's doorsteps. We are those people. I have a bag of giant feathers that I could put everywhere across this world. But here's the deal, is that God is gracious to us. We don't just have some wise man in a city. We have God who has the power to redeem, restore, forgive, and make new. But it starts with our choice to give thanks. He's done so much for us. He's done so much. My mom, when I was growing up, when I used to complain, she would say, Okay, now tell me five things that you're thankful for. Oh my goodness, do you want to know how that went over on me when I was 14? I was like, Mom, I don't want to Fine, I'm thankful that I don't have to talk like this every day. And I'm thankful that I get to go to school and leave you every day. And I was naughty. I couldn't stand it. But here's the thing. Now I make my kids do it. 
they're not teenagers yet, though, so like I don't have the attitude. It's like, okay, I know like next year it's going to be like, no, but I make my kids do it, but it doesn't end there. I still make myself do it because that's important. It's important when you think something negative about somebody, you make yourself say five things that are good about that person. When you can't stand being in a situation, five good things. When you want to say something and tear your husband down, five good things. We are not to be negative people. We're not. You hear people say, I'm just negative, that's how I am. That's not okay. We're not negative people. Negative means we've been taken from. There's a deficit. There's something missing. There's an emptiness. We're at the negative end of the number chart. Is that what God says in our word? God says, I've given you a plus. You have an abundance. You are overflowing. We are not to be negative people. We are plus people. We used to be in the darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. We are not to be negative about our lives. We are not to be negative about our children. We are not to be negative about our husbands. We are not to be negative about our jobs. We are not to be negative about our houses. We are not to be negative about our cars. We are not to be negative about our clothes. We are not to be negative about our appearance. And we are not to be negative about any other single person in the world that we ever meet. We are to be the abundance talkers. We used to be in darkness. Now we're light in the Lord. We are to walk as children of the light, Paul says. The fruit of the Spirit is to be manifested in our lives, our minds, our mouths, and our words. In verse 9, it says it's to be full, or the, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And earlier he said thankfulness. Those four words need to be uttered in our mouths a bajillion times a day. Thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Write them down. Say them with me. Thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. One more time. Thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. The words that you're about to say, the post that you're about to make, the comment that you're about to respond, the text that you're about to send out, the email that you're about to send, that's the grid. Thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. We need to say those words. I need to staple them to my tongue. (laughs) If it doesn't pass the grid of thankfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth, swallow those words, suck them back. They're not fitting for you to say. They're your high school clothes. You got to let them go. Don't speak them out. You're clothed in the righteousness of God. Take those words to the grave. They don't need to be uttered. I need to live like this. I need to walk like this. I need to do exactly what verse 14 says. Verse 14 says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Wake up. We've got to wake up. We say far too many sleepy words. Now, I'm a talker in my sleep. 
And I sing in my sleep, and I do crazy things in my sleep, and I didn't think I had time to tell you stories, but I actually do, because Marianne and Ashley got done a few minutes early, so I'll tell you a few of my sleep stories. Do you want to hear them? Then you can have, like, great pity upon Jason. (laughs) Great pity. Okay, so one time we were at Green Valley Camp, and he was teaching a camp, and I had a dream that he was a high school pastor again, and that I had all the girls over just like I used to, and we were having a big slumber party in my living room just like we used to, and, and maybe some of you here. And, um, and I had a dream that we were sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags, and there were all these bugs all over the floor. And so in my dream, I stood up and I ran to get away from the bugs. Unfortunately, I actually stood up on my bed and ran off of the bed and like, boom, landed on the dresser and broke like the mirror at Green Valley and got bruises on my arms, thinking that there was bugs all over the place. Another time, um, I thought... There's so many. I did it at a pastor's wives retreat too with like eight of us in the room, like woke up in the middle of the night. This is when I lived in Texas screaming, there's cockroaches everywhere and like turned the light on and all these faces looked up at me and I thought, oh, never mind. <laughs> Turn the light out, get back in bed. And then um, another time I thought that somebody was trying to attack me. And so I actually stood up off of my bed and jumped over Jason and landed on the floor. Well, he was like, what is going on? So he gets down off the bed and like is trying to comfort me while I thought he was my attacker. So I just start punching on him like, oh, no, you're not going to get me. And just punching him. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, sorry. Like, what do you say after that? I don't know. This week, (laughs) he said I'm not allowed to have caffeine in the morning anymore. I think it's like my heart is like crazy. So this week, um, I actually woke myself up, punching him again, poor guy, because I thought that I was being kidnapped, and I thought that I was sleeping by a window. I watched too much Fox News, and I thought I was sleeping by my window, and somebody was pulling me through. It was ISIS, and they were pulling me through. (laughs) No more news, no more coffee. They were pulling me through, and I realized later what that was, is he had put his arm around me trying to comfort me, and I thought that was somebody trying to pull me through the window, and I was just like, no, no, So now, you know. (laughs) But I love, love that Paul says in this chapter about words, wake up, wake up, Christians. You're talking far too sleepy talk. You're talking in dream world. Your words don't make sense in the light. Do you ever do that? Like you're in the middle of a sentence that you're talking about? Well, probably not because you're not me. I always talk in the middle of a sentence. I wake up and realize I'm talking and I'm talking about some kind of foolishness that doesn't even make sense. Like I have to go register for Palomar College in the morning and I'm like, oh wait, I'm like not registering for Palomar College, but I'm talking about that in my sleep. And Paul says to us in a chapter about words, wake up. Wake up. Your words that seem to kind of make sense to you right now will seem so foolish and so embarrassing in the light of Christ. Will seem so needless in his light. Will seem so silly and weightless in the light. There are far too many of us 
talking and typing and writing in our sleep. And our words, they seem ridiculous in the light. After we've spent time with Jesus, after we've spent time in prayer, after we're in the word, I think, oh, I should have probably read this before I talked to him. Oops. You know, we're far too sleepy in our Christianity when we're writing and talking. Wake up, Paul says. Wake up. Walk circumspectly, he says. Redeem the days, because, or redeem the time, because the days are evil. You don't have long. Are you sure you want to say that? You don't know if that'll be the last time you're going to see that person on this side of heaven. Are you sure those words are the ones you want to utter? Facebook could be gone tomorrow. Are you sure you want that to be your last post? Your last words? Your last conversation? Are you sure you can't just suck it down and swallow it? Are you sure it needs to be said? If you were awake in the light, would you say it? So how do we do this? How do we change our speech? How do we redeem the time? How do we walk circumspectly? How do we put those things on that are fitting and get rid of our old clothes that don't fit anymore? How do we do this? Verse 10, he says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Another version says, find out what pleases the Lord. Now this section flows beautifully into the rest of the chapter that explains to us how to walk and live by the Holy Spirit. And girls, don't miss next week. Truly, she's a legend. I'm not. She is. She's amazing. She's um, spoken at the Pastor's Wives Conference, and I've gone for 14 years now. And so every year for 14 years, I've got to hear her talk about something. And it's amazing every time. She's amazing. So don't, don't, don't miss. And I can't take her verses. Part of what finding out what pleases the Lord is, is walking by the Holy Spirit, is listening to him. And I'll let her teach on that next week. But his word, we must be in his word. If we're going to find out what pleases the Lord, we must be in his word. I love it right now. I've started something new. In the morning, I'm still doing the one-year Bible. And at night, I'm doing the chronological one-year Bible. And then during the day, you know, we're devouring these bite-sized nuggets of Ephesians that we're in. So I love it. It's like when I'm done with it, I'll have gone through the Bible two and one-sixty-sixth times. (laughs) See, there's my math. I can do fractions. Ephesians, the book that we're studying, is one-sixty-sixth of the entire Word of God. We must be in his word if we're going to find out what pleases him. Don't miss it. Don't miss a day. What could remove all coarseness from our speech? The word of God. It's like sandpaper in our lives. It smooths away the rough edges. What could fill our days with light? The word of God. Psalm 36, 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Are you thirsty? Do you need the fountain of light? Do you feel like you're still in darkness? Do you need his light? In his light, we see light. Jesus said, come to me and torrents of living water will flood your life. Do you feel dry? 
Does your speech feel empty? Does your speech feel critical? Does it feel obscene? Does it feel foolish? Does it feel like you're done with a conversation and you think, why did I even say that? What was I even talking about? Oh, I wish I could take that comment or that talk away. And, you know, Facebook kind of has like a false identity in the sense that, yeah, you can delete your post, but probably mostly everybody saw it anyway. And remember that you said it. There's just no evidence to point back to it. Do you feel empty? Do you feel lacking in your words? Jesus says, I want to wash you with the water of my word. He's the living water that we're thirsting for. He's the light of the world that we're searching for. Find out what pleases him, he says. If you want to redeem the days, if you want to not give thoughtless words out, find out what pleases the Lord. And with thankfulness, say those words. I want to get those bracelets back. The what would Jesus do? I think we should still be able to wear those. It doesn't matter that they're out of style. We should still wear them. What would Jesus do? Or maybe WWJL. What does Jesus like? Oh, that would be WD. Okay, you know what? I'm just not good at this like language stuff either. I'm not good at anything. What does Jesus like? WDJL. I'm going to make us all bracelets that say that. What does Jesus like? Does he like this? Have you ever held your your computer up to him, your phone up to him, and said, I'm about to send this. Do you like this, Jesus? I'm thinking about going over to her and saying this. Here's the words that I was about to say. Do you like this, Jesus? Here's the comment that I was about to post back. Do you like this, Jesus? Does this please you? Because I'm trying to find out what pleases you. I'm trying to find out what you like trying to find out what makes you happy, just as you would your husband, just as you would your friend, just as you would your kids. What pleases you? I want to do that. So our homework this week is to look through Facebook, Instagram comments, texts, emails, roll the thoughts back into phone calls, conversations. Is it light? Is it dark? Is it fitting? Is it not fitting? He says, we're not to be partakers. We're not to have fellowship. We're not to be taking part with those who are living, speaking, and breathing darkness. The things that we watch, the things that we say, the things that we do, the places that we go, it's not to be dark. It's to be light. Are we awake? Are we alive? Are we light? Are we circumspect? Are we wise? Are we redeeming the time? Are we not thoughtless, but full of thought? Not careless, but full of care? How does Jesus come across because of what I'm about to say? How does Jesus come across because of what I'm about to do? The Word, the Holy Spirit, as we'll learn next week, filling our thoughts, our minds, our mouths, our words. Verse 16, when he says to redeem the time, that word redeem means to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Our lives are to compensate for the faults of this world. This world is messed up. This world does not know Jesus. This world is dark. The people who make TV shows, dark. 
The people who act in TV shows, dark. The people who sing a lot of this music, dark. The people we read about in magazines, dark. Oh, their lives look happy. Their lives look fluffy and fun, but they're not. They're dark. We have what they're thirsting for. And we, our lives, to redeem the time because the days are evil means we are compensating for the faults that are in this world. Not negative people, plus people. Not negative, abundant. Not negative, compensating for everything they're missing, everything they're lacking redeeming what they don't have, giving it to them in Jesus. Don't let Satan own the day by our words, our thoughts, our actions. He doesn't own you, so don't let him own your words. He doesn't have you, so don't let him have your mouth. Because here's the deal. We're now working completely backwards and landing completely onto verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Imitators, an imitator of God. An imitator of God is what we are to be. With our mouth, with our words, with our speech, with our actions, an imitator of God. Our lives are to look like his. An imitator means a mimic. Like a bird, you say, Polly want a cracker? It says, Polly want a cracker. Jesus says, walk in love. We say, walk in love. We're imitators of Jesus. Our lives are to look like his. They're to be imprinted with who he is. And I kept thinking of a coin as I was studying for this. I kept thinking of a penny. And I did not know Abraham Lincoln. I didn't know what he looked like. I don't know what he sounds like, except that I have a penny. I don't have much else, but I have a penny. And Abraham Lincoln's picture is on a penny, his imprint. So even though I've never met him, I know what he looks like because I've seen his imprint on the coin in my pocket. All the others would know what our Jesus looks like because his face is imprinted upon our face. Because his words are imprinted upon our words. Because his life, his hands, his feet, his thoughts are imprinted upon our lives, our hands, our feet, and our thoughts. Oh, that they would know what our sweet Savior looks like. Because do we read this? That he loved us and he gave himself for us? If no other reason but for that, he loves us. And he gave himself for us. I want his image to be stamped on all that I am because he loves me and he gave himself for me. I want to smell like him. I want his sweet smelling aroma that he offered up for me to be what I smell like. I want his words to sound like my words. I want my light to look like his light, all that his image would be imprinted on us. Have you ever hugged somebody who wears a specific kind of perfume and you walk away and you smell like them? And you think, oh, I can tell I hugged this person because I smell like their perfume. I just kept thinking about that as I was talking, that, that when we're hugging him, when we're near him, 
when we've drawn near to him, when he can be in our presence because our word don't stink to him, our mouths, our actions, our minds, our lives, our Facebook, our Instagram, our texts, our emails, so many, so many ways to mess up nowadays. When he's near us because they don't stink to him and we're able to get close enough to just hug him, we go away smelling like him, imprinted by him, by his grace, by his love. So that's your homework for this week. As you walk around, as you talk, is that Jesus being imprinted on your tongue or is it the world? Is it the word of God being imprinted on your mouth? Or is it the TV show you watched a couple days ago? Is it the praise, the thanksgiving of our great God and who he is imprinted on our mouths? Or is it the music, the whisperings, the attitude of this world? He loves you so much, girls. And he just wants to conform us into his image. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Lord, we come before you, and God, we have no hope of our own to do this, Lord. But how great it is for those of us who read Titus 2 this morning that you have given us your grace. Not grace that causes us to rest in who we were, but grace that gives us a transforming power to live holy and righteous lives that please you. So Lord, would we spend our days as treasure hunters gathering up the information of what pleases you and then longing with all of our hearts to walk in those ways that bless you, sweet Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.